最佳听众互动奖得奖的是 First Story 等等，还有一位是 First Story 和 Discord 共同得奖。First Story 最新推出的 Discord 整合功能是为听众管理新标杆，将拥有会员资格的听众自动加入 Discord 群组。这不仅减少创作者的负担，也为听众带来丰富的互动体验，获得全台 Podcaster 一致肯定。体验这个惊人的功能，立刻点击叙述栏链接，让你与听众互动更上层楼。Typhoon Mawar is weakening and moving away after making its closest approach to Taiwan on Wednesday. The Central Weather Bureau lifted its sea warning at 5:30 in the evening. As of 2:30 in the afternoon, the storm had left around 100 millimeters of rainfall in northern and Elan's mountainous areas. The rains are expected to last until Thursday evening in northern mountainous regions. People in central and southern Taiwan should keep an eye out for afternoon thunderstorms, but by Friday, skies island-wide should be clear or overcast. CWB Director Zheng Mingdian says that easterly winds have recently prevailed over Taipei. If easterly winds persist after the storm departs, it could be a sign that this year's plum rain season is over. The Taiwan Transportation Safety Board has pointed out two major oversights that caused a deadly metro crash in Taichung earlier this month. A construction crane boom fell on the tracks of the Taichung Metro on May 10th, resulting in a collision that killed one and injured 10 others. According to the safety board, the construction company operating the crane had failed to take effective risk management measures. The board also criticized the Taichung MRT for lacking a detection system for large objects that could obstruct a train's path. Earlier this month, a construction crane boom fell onto the Taichung MRT's green line, killing one person and injuring ten others. Twenty days after the incident, the Taiwan Transportation Safety Board released an interim safety bulletin on the incident. The bulletin listed two major oversights. First, it pointed out that although the construction project was next to the MRT line, no effective risk management measures were taken to prevent machinery from obstructing the MRT system and affecting its operations. Second, it critiqued the metro's driverless system, which has no warning system for large foreign object intrusions. Our suggestion is that the operator of the driverless MRT system draws up early warning and contingency measures for track obstructions, so that frontline staff can respond to emergencies in a timely manner. Due to its technical nature, such a detection system would have to be connected to the core system of the unmanned driving system. This would take time to discuss. Before such a system is up and running, Taichung MRT has implemented some temporary measures. The Taichung MRT says that installing a foreign object detection system will take time. For now, three preventative measures have been taken: keeping the train controls accessible at all times, allowing manual blocking of doors to stop the train, and enhancing the response capacity of the system's control center. A Taichung counselor says that's not enough. 
The Taichung MRT remains unsafe. You are responsible for this and you should have carried out improvements immediately. You shouldn't have let 20 days go by, waiting for the issue to go away unaddressed. I think the Taichung city government is being really apathetic and irresponsible. The Taiwan Transportation Safety Board expects to complete a detailed report about the crash within six months. A final report is to be presented within one year in May 2024. China Airlines is optimistic about its post-pandemic recovery. At its shareholders' meeting on Wednesday, the company said passenger flights returned to 70% of pre-pandemic numbers in the first half of the year. Not only that, passenger revenue in the first four months reached 90% of pre-COVID figures. With the busy summer travel season approaching, the company was optimistic about revenue in the second half of the year. EVA Air also has a rosy forecast for the months ahead. At its investor conference on Wednesday, it said that 70% of summer tickets were already booked. EVA Air expects to sell up to 90% of all seats for the season. So far, its most popular routes are those to Europe and North America. As AI supplier NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang sweeps the nation by storm, tech giant Honghai now has high hopes for artificial intelligence. At its shareholders' meeting on Wednesday, Honghai projected triple-digit growth in its server business in the second half of the year due to rising interest in AI. The company also announced a cash dividend of 5.3 NT per share, the most since its public listing in 1991. Shareholders pull up to the meeting in an electric bus. Honghai Chairman Yang Liu announced good news, a cash dividend of 5.3 NT per share to be distributed this year. It's the most since the company went public in 1991. It's Honghai's fourth straight year of maintaining a 50% distribution rate. I think it will only get better and better because whenever I offer flowers, it always does. When I gave flowers to TSMC, it became the sacred mountain that protects the nation. With my flowers, Honghai will become an OEM empire. A shareholder presented flowers, saying that revenue will reach new heights. With artificial intelligence driving new business opportunities, Honghai expects explosive growth in the server market. An advanced cooler server system was on display at the shareholders' meeting. We expect that for the second half of the year, there will be triple-digit growth, not double-digit, so there will be exponential growth. Our overall server revenue for the year was about 1.1 trillion NT, accounting for 40% of the global market share. Shareholders expressed concern about competition from China's red supply chain. Honghai's chairman said there was no cause for worry, as Honghai was the world leader in the industry and its electronic OEM market share hit 45.6% last year. He quoted NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang, who last week urged college grads to run, don't walk toward their dreams. NVIDIA CEO Jensen Huang said that you have to run, and to run fast. In the face of the red supply chain, we can't wait for them to catch up. 
we must run very fast. So in semiconductors, software, automobiles, and batteries, we are running very fast. On display at the meeting site were a Honghai electric car, wafers, and augmented reality and mixed reality glasses for metaverse applications. Remarking on economic challenges in the second half of the year, the chairman said that inflation, monetary tightening, and geopolitical factors would remain in play. Honghai maintained a flat outlook for annual performance, saying it would continue to pursue projects in electric cars, digital health, and robotics. The fate of old clothes is an increasingly urgent environmental question. As fast fashion has grown, the recycling of secondhand clothes has taken a nosedive. But why is that? Today, we look into the difficulties of recycling old clothes. Employees of Geelong's Environmental Protection Bureau work hard to sort old clothes, but only 30% will eventually be sold. The quality of used clothes is so much lower than it used to be that many old garments are worthless. Plastic bags of old clothes are broken open. The workers first sort them into reusable and unusable piles. This kind of fabric often has allergens. If you give them to another child, they might be allergic. Clothes that are too worn or not fit to wear are sent straight to the dump for incineration. Those that pass the test are fixed up by the cleaning team and sent to the retailer to be priced. In Jilong, you can give secondhand clothes to the municipal cleaning team to recycle or leave them in recycling stations set up by social welfare organizations. There's too much garbage. People shove it in their pillows and blankets. But the recycling stations often fill up with garbage. The reason there are no longer any second-hand clothes recycling companies in Jilong is because the business is less and less profitable. They feel that all they collect is worthless clothing. Then they have to pay money to deal with the garbage, so it isn't worth the cost of doing it. Old clothing recycling bins were once a common sight on Taiwan streets. They're increasingly a rarity, mainly because the clothes collected are of such low quality. In this era of fast fashion, cast-offs are almost worthless. To make it harder, China has cornered much of the second-hand market. The things exported from countries like China are better than our stuff, and they have larger stocks, and they can sort the items more strictly. They used to be more second-hand clothes sold. It used to be 45% or 60% in the best cases. Now it's about 30%. Many of Taiwan's cities and counties have handed over second-hand clothes services to local environment bureaus. The clothes are sorted by cleaning teams, who then weigh the items to sell to recycling companies. They're sold based on the rate for one kilo. Another thing is, we keep a few things for our ditch cleaners to use for cleaning. We hand them to our recycling merchants to sell off. The ladies of the Development Association have lots of handicraft skills. They can cut up the fabric to make backpacks and stuff like that. Nonetheless, recycling old clothes can value the precious resources in every single item. Officials recommend that you sort your own secondhand clothes carefully before giving them away. Are they too old to use? Those that are good should be packed up tight to keep them clean and protected until they're in safe hands. Theme parks are an industry in revival as COVID-19 recedes into the rearview mirror. Parks like Ida Theme Park in Kaohsiung are gearing up for a busy summer. But like many service industries, they face a staff shortage. That's why they're recruiting from all walks of life and especially targeting university students. 
Official internship opportunities are one way for young people to get straight into the workforce as soon as they graduate. And Kaohsiung City is collaborating in an internship scheme in the hope of supporting students through that tricky transition into work life. Summer vacation is just round the corner. Theme parks are a top destination for family day trips and a dreamland for young people. Since the pandemic receded, the market has revived and theme parks are preparing for peak season. We are still facing some employee shortages in departments like marketing, business and technology. Plus, since the pandemic rules were lifted, the tourist market has clearly come back and the number of visitors at theme parks has increased markedly. Parks are recruiting new employees through many channels, from job seekers' websites and job fairs to college campus recruitment drives and internship programs. Any aspiring hire needs one key trait, a passion for customer service. Lee Yi Ro is a customer service representative here. As a student of tourism and leisure at Yishou University, she got a part-time job in the nearby theme park and moved straight into work there after graduation. She's been here five years. Right now, I think that if I don't plan to leave the Kaohsiung area, the salary here is great and the working hours are quite fixed. There are always new challenges too, so that's why I'm staying on. Following in her footsteps is Jiang Yutian, whose first job out of college made good use of her studies. As part of the facilities operation department, she guides visitors in virtual reality experiences. That takes a foundation of communication skills as well as simple electrical maintenance. So I've learned lots of skills to answer visitor questions and now I'm learning how to manage the facility. For young people, frictional unemployment is when what they studied is different from the workplace they are preparing to face. So we are hoping that internships can give them the opportunity to understand the reality of the workplace before they get a job. Alongside gaining internship or part-time experience, the advice for graduates is to get into a job and try it out firsthand in order to get a clearer understanding of your own strengths and interests. Today, we meet an Indian-born immigrant who is a big innovator in Taiwan's medical industry. Professor Shaber Syed Abdul is a health informatics researcher and expert on artificial intelligence. The Taipei Medical University professor works with a remote learning platform, engaging students from more than 110 countries on medical and AI issues. After living in Taiwan for 14 years, he is deeply rooted and says Taiwan's medical system is one of the best things about doing research here. Students from India, Europe and America access education on this remote medical academic platform without the constraints of national borders or time zones. It makes research much easier for PhD students. I got to know about so many things like the, what are the basics for the AI and the machine learning which we can use for the healthcare, how we can improve our skills for the analysis. Taiwan's educational ecosystem is both competitive and solidly rooted. Professor Shabir Saeed Abdul's remote learning platform provides a rich grounding for students worldwide. The oldest learner here is 82, and they're full of enthusiasm for learning and engaging with the community. Here, research is more aggressive, meaning yes. everyone give value for the research. Yes. 
So in India there is not still, they are trying but it is not like that. Uh -huh. Here professor means you have to publish. Ah, yes. Without publication you are no more professor. Uh -huh. In India no, you should teach. If you are teaching, if students are happy with that, then that's all they need. Uh -huh. Here is no, they are more innovation, R&D is so yeah. much in here. Yes. Taiwan, number one. Saeed Abdul settled in Taiwan 14 years ago and is now truly at home here. He says he was pulled here as if by fate, attracted particularly by Taiwan's medical system. The most important thing particularly in healthcare is the healthcare system here itself. Mm -hmm. Because you have single-payer system, mm -hmm. wherever the patient goes, the data goes to National Health Insurance yeah. Bureau. Mm -hmm. 23 million population with 35 years of data is really very good resource for developing any artificial intelligence tools. Saeed Abdul's research focuses both on AI and remote education. His work expands the breadth and depth of Taiwan's medical field, enhances its influence on the world stage, and attracts future stars to Taiwan's medical industries. Taiwan's very own paper windmill theater is going to Europe. The beloved children's performance troupe will put on a show in Budapest, Hungary to celebrate the city's 150th anniversary. It will perform a uniquely Taiwanese production that combines glove puppets, Taiwanese opera and martial arts. The troupe aims not only to introduce Taiwan to the world, but also to bring joy to young Hungarians and Ukrainian refugees in the city. Taiwanese opera in this exciting production by Paper Windmill Theatre. Noza, the adventure to the Dragon Palace, will be heading to Europe mid-June. We want to take the warmth that Paper Windmill Theatre radiates and the power of culture to comfort them. We hope to see Ukrainian children smiling once again. During Paper Windmill Theatre's stay in Hungary, in Budapest, we will also hold a fair, a Taiwan Day, we hope to enhance Taiwan's image in Hungary. As Budapest will celebrate its 150th anniversary this year, the troupe has learned how to sing Happy Birthday in Hungarian. Their performance combines glove puppetry, Taiwanese opera, bajajang performers and beiguan music. Featuring martial arts, 3D animation and a variety of light effects, it's said to be a uniquely Taiwanese show. The troupe aims to cheer up Hungarian children as well as Ukrainian refugees fleeing the war. We hope that one day, after the war has ended, Paper Windmill Theatre can have the honor of going to Ukraine and bringing them our love as they rebuild their country. I hope that day comes soon. The chairman of Paper Windmill Cultural Foundation called for a swift end to the war and for the power of theatre to bring more global awareness to Taiwan. Basketball star Dwight Howard returned to the U.S. on Tuesday after a seven-month stint with the Taoyuan Leopards. Nearly 100 fans gathered at Taoyuan International Airport to say goodbye. Howard was visibly moved by the send-off, breaking down in tears as he spoke to reporters. Uh, we had a wonderful time here. So thank you to everyone. Uh, we're so sad that we got to go through. So thank you. 
you guys so much. Oh, thank you to all the fans that came out to support me. Uh, so thank you to all the fans for an amazing uh, year. It's one that's going to never forget this place. Will you, will you wish to come back here? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know yet. It is uncertain if the eight-time NBA All-Star will ever play in Taiwan again, but it's clear that his time here has left him with some unforgettable memories. Owning a cat is becoming more and more popular in Taiwan. Cats are now even more common pets than dogs. But the number of homeless and stray cats without owners is still very high, and Taiwan's shelters are running out of space. Today, we meet a cat lover who has stepped up to help feline friends find new homes. He opened a halfway house that serves both as cat cafe and shelter. Visitors to the cafe can just have a cup of tea, or they can ponder if they might be up for adopting a new member of the family. A tortoiseshell kitten squeezes its way into a slipper. Felines recline on these clouds and even wander along overpasses. This shelter for strays doubles as a cat cafe. <laughs> a waitress serves up drinks. The space is split in two. One half for cats to roam through, the other half for customers to dine in. Every one of the cafe's 13 feline residents has a story. Kittens sunbathe by the window. Some have come from as far away as the Mazu Islands through volunteer vet clinics. Some have come from animal shelters. The cafe's owner founded the business to give these kitties a warm place to call home. We made six cat's head decorations. He's one that we originally adopted from the animal hospital, and in the end, he left us because of illness, and we were very sad. We wanted to do something more for them apart from adopting them, so we decided to open this halfway house cat cafe. Mr. Shi, 37 years old, started the business in the memory of his furry friend. It's a bridge between homeless cats and potential new families. He invested savings in opening two homes for cats and borrowed millions of dollars. And he's very clear that it's all worth it. The location is pretty good after all, so the costs are quite high. A cafe like this is a bit of a niche thing. It's not a mainstream consumer thing. So we wanted to be in Xingyi district to show people that we exist. Although overheads are high, the cafe brings great visibility to the cats who live here. Within just two months of opening, Shi had found good owners for three of the cats in his care. It so happens that all the cats here are very obedient, and I think they're all well looked after. If someone really wants to adopt them and has that interest, then I think it's great. Taiwan's cat shelters are facing a saturation crisis, but cafes and other businesses like this one can ease the shortage, offering a few furry friends a very happy home.